Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yeah. How you doing? Well, I'm uh, I'm elated and disappointed at the same time, and I'll get to why, but I want to involve our guests in the discussion. Okay. okay. Absolutely. Why wouldn't you involve the guests uh, in a discussion of disappointment? It has nothing to do with them or anything else. I just don't want them to feel left out. Fair enough. From this very important cultural discussion that I want to briefly hit upon before we get into the show proper. Okay. All so right. our guests are uh, people you know from their own podcasts, The Sound of Young America, Jordan, Jesse Go, You Look Nice Today. They have a joint venture, the uh, male style blog and uh, video podcast, I guess, called Put This On. So it's Adam Lissagor and Jesse Thorne. Thank you. Thanks for being here. That's no. not what I'm supposed to say. <laughs> Having us, you think. There you go. Absolutely. Now, Cookie, before we get to you guys, I need to talk about what's on my mind. Oh, jeez. First of all, I want to say that I'm elated that we're involved in this conversation, and I'm disappointed that you're disappointed. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. All right, here's the deal. Uh, I've developed a bit of a reputation, I think, among our listeners, amongst our listeners. Mm-hmm. Our ladies' listeners. <laughs> what's that? <laughs> <laughs> for being a bit of a contrarian when it comes to movies, especially the movies that the the internet movie geek population tends to glom onto. Uh, okay, I see where I, you're going. I refuse. I've developed a reputation among my listeners for being my lady listeners specifically <laughs> for being hypersensual. <laughs> <laughs> that is something I noticed when you first walked in. It's mm-hmm. like this is a man. You get a he's little not tingle, merely right. Se- yeah, he's not merely sensual. He's hypersensual. It's, there's something in the air. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When this when this thing is done. And my wife comes home, I'm immediately going to make love to her. <laughs> right. So, um, okay, where so, were we? <laughs> uh, people know I refused to see Kick-Ass. I still haven't seen it. It looks like a stupid movie. I saw it last I night. I liked it. it. All right. I walked, her, I walked out after 20 minutes. Oh, Adam walked out. All right. I uh, hated Inception, as we know. I'm sure there are plenty of other examples. So that's why I'm hoping that this reputation will lend some weight, some authority, mm. when I say that Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is fucking awesome. And I am so disappointed at its box office failure. Oh, I Have saw you that on your it? Twitter. You were you were quite you're quite vocal about your support for it. For I, I, I try to, I try to use my all, nearly 800 followers for good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I tried to use my. Uh I don't know, like 200, uh, and be like, hey, I'm sure I have some pull with some of you, uh, even though I think some of you are my relatives. Go and see this movie you won't enjoy. Um, but no, I love, I love the movie. Did you guys have see you it? Have you guys seen it? I did see Scott Pilgrim. We were just talking about it on the way over. Adam didn't see it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was surprised by it. Uh-huh. Um, I, I mean, I, I guess I shouldn't have been because I, um, I saw and really enjoyed Hot Fuzz. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I was surprised that... Every one of the ridiculous and silly nods to the roots as a graphic novel that Edgar Wright mm-hmm. made in the film uh, worked uh, fantastically well, just mm-hmm. spectacularly well. Like, I've never seen a movie where it was about partly about its source material um, mm-hmm. the, where that worked, uh-huh. and it totally worked a thousand percent. Um there was a lot of really funny stuff in the movie, sure. and I really liked that. And I thought all of the – basically, I thought every part that had the fingerprints of Edgar Wright on it uh, was fantastic. I thought mm-hmm. it was funny and just really neat to see different – all kinds of neat stuff. Uh, but at the end of it, I was sort of like, huh, why did I watch that? Yeah. Well, I think it's um, – maybe this is why I like Edgar Wright so much. He's – it, what he's playing to this this audience with all three of his feature films. I haven't seen his first very low budget 
Fistful of Fingers. I don't think it's really available. But with Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and, and Scott Pilgrim, he's catering to a certain audience, but also kind of uh, gently like ribbing them a little and saying, like, you, if you look at the characters in all of his all of his movies, the lead characters start out being like his audience, and by the end, they kind of realize they need to grow up a little. That's that's the journey in all three of his of his movies, and maybe that's why I, as a movie internet movie geek contrarian, uh, respond to it because Scott Pilgrim starts off as much as I like the movie. Both Scott and Ramona start off as as assholes, like characters I don't like. Mm-hmm. I found the movie funny, and I found it their assholery funny, especially the the insulated characters like Kieran Culkin's character Wallace is who's hilarious. But uh, what I liked about it is that. Uh, a, it's it, it doesn't. They don't have a complete 180 in in the 112 minutes or whatever. You know, they're not good people by the end. By the end, all that's happened is they've realized they need to be adults now, and and move on. That's the way. That's the way I read the movie. That's why I like it so much. It's odd that you say that because um, I, I I agree, but I've actually uh, heard online a, a lot of uh, mutual friends of ours um, say that they they felt that there was absolutely zero. Um, progress uh, by the by the characters, and I would say that I agree. It's not a not a, a, one, a complete one eighty, but the idea of of self respect and declaring love and and him willing to make a sacrifice and willing to grow up a little by I don't know really dealing with the rather complex emotions and the complex uh, issues of you know the baggage that somebody brings to a relationship. Um, I think I think you're absolutely but right. It's, I think it's he, bullshit teenager bag- baggage. Well, that's one way that's of putting kind it. Of yeah. The point of it is that they don't have real baggage. Well, now hang on. Okay, now I don't. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm I, sorry. I, I, I literally just wanted to use the podcast podcast okay. as a platform to let a couple thousand people know they should see it if they haven't because it's dying a death at the box office, and I want to get to the show. I, I think, okay. All right. I look. I'm all the way with you on people should see it because mm. it's a remarkable achievement whether or not you buy into the characters. Mm. <laughs> Um, and I'm, all I can say is at the end, I was sort of like, uh, yeah, but man, it has a lot of sweet stuff in it and it's a, it's a remarkable achievement aesthetically. And as you said, Kieran Culkin is pretty fantastic. Yeah. It's, it really is a a delight. And I coming home drunk that one time is the highlight of the movie for me. (laughs) (laughs) And that nice man, I, I, Damn it! Okay, we'll do an episode. I just want all right. To, fair we'll, enough. We'll, we'll talk. We'll talk I'll just say it. that I can't think of a I can't think of a director who is able to utilize uh, editing so comedically as Edgar Wright. Like he really manages to uh, use that as a way of uh, doing a punchline, and uh, I, I really appreciate that. I actually had a big conversation on my way home from watching that movie with my wife about uh, how rarely it is that. Uh, uh, mainstream comedies directors choices um besides just you know picking which improvised rant to include <laughs> yeah. uh, are so funny as the choices that edgar mm-hmm. wright made in uh directing that film i think there's mm-hmm. just as you said just the pacing is just so perfect for humor mm-hmm. and that's so rare of a thing to find in a film director um uh that that really it really is a remarkable achievement Okay, let's put a pin in that till we do another episode. All right, fair enough. Just wanted to have a soapbox for a I'm looking forward to when we do that episode. (laughs) Absolutely, we'll have you back. Um, So let's get to know uh, Jesse and Adam. um, Well, first, okay, let's start. uh, 
alphabetically with Adam. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> As we always do it here on Battleship Pretension. Uh, we said that only a handful of times we had two guests at once. It is uh, yeah. choppy waters to navigate. Thanks for <laughs> including me. I really appreciate it. <laughs> no I, think it's, I think it's more convenient because you know, because while two people are doing something together, the other mm-hmm. two people can do something. Instead <laughs> of the other guy just sitting there, you know, like, what am I supposed to do? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like when we had Josh Fade oh. and Paul Goble and they screamed at each other <laughs> I'm and Tyler and I rolled our eyes at each other. I'm thinking of a fuck fest, <laughs> not a podcast. I'm sorry. <laughs> there, I'm there, sorry. Was, there was a moment when, uh, I think it's when we had Aaron Gibson and Joel Church Cooper on where... Uh, I think you and Joel started having a conversation, and then Aaron and I started having a conversa- conversation, and then all four of us realized at once, like, oh, we're recording, and this is just <laughs> yeah. going to sound like this hodgepodge of noise. Uh, they're not going to be able to follow any of it. So, yeah, it's uh, choppy waters, as, as uh, David said. So, Adam, uh, tell us wh- where you're from, how you, uh, wh- what, what you look nice today is, how you got into it, uh, where you see yourself in five years. Sure. Uh, <laughs> y- you Look Nice Today is a comedy podcast uh, subtitled uh, a, journey of emotion- a Journal of Emotional Hygiene. Uh-huh. Uh, forgive me, we haven't done one in a few months. Um, but it's myself and two friends that met each other on Twitter and enjoyed each other's sense of humor enough to want to do a project of some sort together. And at that time, podcasting had just kind of come out into the forefront of uh of our consciousness and uh so uh, f- uh it just seemed like the right thing to do and initially we were going to make it a podcast about th- all things twitter because we were all just at that point infatuated with the culture of twitter mm-hmm. and how we could have new friends or mm-hmm. any friends at all for that matter <laughs> <laughs> um and everyone has these weird code names that you have to say at in front of oh yeah like, like, like cb radio or something right. <laughs> <laughs> it felt it felt really good to just have pals for the for for once <laughs> And I and I think that actually I'm just this is coming out now as I'm as I'm saying these words, but honestly, I think the uh, the the a kind of general overall feeling of the show being like sort of a celebrating a awkward male sensibility um, <laughs> and mutual appreciation. I think it just came out of that where like we're all uh, i'm the youngest one and i'm 32 we range from 32 to f- uh early 40s and we're grown men and um <laughs> sort of enjoy behaving like uh teenagers among each other so and uh in a way that um we hadn't i think been none of the three of us had really been able to enjoy before maybe i'm speaking for the others uh, uh but it f- for myself anyway so we really enjoyed each other um so we decided to just we, we we live in different cities i'm here in la the other two are in the bay area so we decided to experiment with skype and um just talk about stuff and bullshit around for a while and the idea of doing it about twitter and our twitter friends and who was saying what funny things on twitter that fell away very 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 quickly <laughs> within like 14 <laughs> seconds quickly. it just it, it revealed itself to be a bad idea and after that it just became about um how odd it is to to have to pretend that you're a man in this uh in this world kind of what i'm feeling um the show louis is about right now louis taking over taking over that same um, landscape as Curb Your Enthusiasm has for me, hmm. 
but with an entirely different uh, prototypical character, like one that's way more identifiable to me because Larry David is such a New York character. You know, he's he's such a, you know, dealing with the ridiculousness of all of the the, the New York char- the other New York characters in New York is all very New Yorky and. We can all love that and appreciate that. I'm talking way too long, but <laughs> Louis, Louis, in contrast, seems to be just an everyman. Really, just you know, this last episode that was on was about basically the fact that he's never gotten a fight, and he's get, never gotten in a fight in his life, and he's never got, he's never had a dealt with standing up and being masculine and representing himself as a man in that way. But he, but um, he he uh, he explores it in a way that I haven't seen before. That's what we have tried to do, or unintentionally done in our in our podcast. I think Louis has made very explicit his inspiration for the show is "You Look Nice Today." Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've seen it. it's flattering. Yeah, of course. So, how long have you been doing "You Look Nice Today" at this point? Uh, it's been almost, probably a couple of years now. It's really fallen off, though, schedule wise, because I just um, the three of us have other jobs, and mm-hmm. and they're all time consuming and highly paid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and where did the name come from? Uh, it, we each made a list of names uh, for a podcast. You look <laughs> nice today. Was on my list. Awesome. I'm not ashamed to say. All right, <laughs> but it was it was a throwaway. And you want to ask who came up with Battleship Pretension? I would love to. It was this, David. This guy. <laughs> nice. No, very good. Very it's good. fun because it's a pun. Yes, but uh, Scott was Scott Simpson. That my two partners are Scott Simpson and Merlin Mann, and Scott was the one who said. Uh, you look nice today makes me laugh out loud. So we we did it. That and then uh, you're the only one without an alliterative name. Very true. I hadn't realized that. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> All right. This is bullshit. I'm out of here. <laughs> what a disappointment. <laughs> Any? Uh, yeah, I have, a, I have a sixth sense for alliteration. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. Well, it's not that hard. Really. Right. It's like a first sense. Yeah. yeah. I think um, hearing. I think it's part of hearing. I think <laughs> it's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I this is a movie podcast. I went to I grew up wanting to be a filmmaker. I went to NYU for film school. I wanted to be a director all my life. Uh, I do the video part of right. put this on with with Jesse, and that's uh, initially it started uh, as a show, as just a video series, and then the blog was uh, kind of the auxiliary component of that. The blog has really taken the forefront as the the main uh, the main thing, and and the video is just like is uh, icing on the cake. What I like about the blog is it's um, something for me to do when I'm avoiding my actual work. <laughs> it's funny. When your job is that you're doing what you are what you would otherwise be doing if you were working, <laughs> like, I was, like when I had a job, I did The Sound of Young America in my free time. Uh-huh. Uh, now that The Sound of Young America is my job, I need something to distract me from The Sound of Young America. <laughs> um, and that's what the Put This On blog has become. Yeah, that's the same thing happened to me. Like I, when we started, you look nice today. I had a full time job editing all day, and it was so. It was a you look nice today. I needed to distract me from, and I would even edit while I was at work. That's technically <laughs> called stealing. <laughs> uh-huh. But and then after I left my job, it was like I, it, it it didn't offer the same um, release and enjoyment that it had. He's talking about masturbation. <laughs> uh, indeed, yes. You, oh, you mean podcasting? Yeah. So now, hey. Jesse, The uh, Son of Young America has been around for like ten, ten years, years now, at yeah. this point, yeah. and it's been a podcast for 
half that time? Yeah, about half that time. I, the, in fact, The Sound of Young America, I started podcasting before iTunes supported podcasting. Wow. Early adopter. Yeah. Were you on Odeo? <laughs> I was absolutely on Odeo. <laughs> so uh, I say that by way of saying that I think I get the impression. I, I'll bet a lot of our listeners already are aware of of the sound of young. America. You may be overestimating your <laughs> listeners' awareness of the sound of young America. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like uh, I've to to me Jesse Thorne is ridiculously famous, um, <laughs> but um, uh, I saw Michelle Gondry speak at South by Southwest South by Southwest this, this earlier this year, and he goes, uh, he was talking about. You know, the interviewer was saying how famous he was, and he said in his ridiculously thick French accent, I am only famous to people who know me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, but uh, a high Q rating. Uh, <laughs> the Sound of Young America was my college radio show mm. um, uh, with my friends Jordan and Jean, and I sort of kept doing it after I graduated from school. And uh, basically started podcasting about five years ago. I went to UC Santa Cruz and was doing it at UC Santa Cruz. And I sort of like one step at a time over that 10-year period took it from it being our college radio show to uh, it being uh, nationally syndicated, although that's sort of grandiose. It's on a couple dozen stations, a show distributed by Public Radio International. And a couple years ago, I moved here to L.A. and um, started doing Jordan Jesse Go with my old co-host Jordan from The Sound of Young America, who was living here and working in TV. Um, and yeah, I met I met, actually met Adam the first time at a Sound of Young America live show in San Francisco. Um, but then uh, Merlin was a friend of mine and Scott Simpson at the time worked in podcasting at Apple. Um, and I knew him very well from that. So I sort of got to know Adam by his co through his co-hosts mm. and because we lived both in los angeles um and we both had dogs adam has a very charming dog with the very cool uh movie nerd name of dignan mm-hmm. um he we hung out together a lot at the dog park and sort of became friends awesome so how did i guess let's transition into how put this on came about Obviously, i know jesse from listening to uh jordan jesse go that uh, style has long been on, so I don't know, on your mind, whatever. Um, is that also true of you, Adam? And how did how did this uh, format no, I would and the subject I, matter? I appreciate well-dressed people uh-huh. aesthetically, but I'm not somebody who pays attention to the, the details of dressing well. So um, I appreciate Jesse's paying attention to the details there. <laughs> <laughs> so how did, then how did the idea come about? I mean, I um, I had I had always wanted to do something like this. Um, I w- it's a real interest of mine, and um, I always thought that there was there was sort of an open space. Like I I didn't feel like there was anything that was catering to uh, someone like me, someone who really cared about it, and both wasn't into, didn't really want to get involved in the world of fashion, um, and in the sort of you know drop crock drop crotch pants mm-hmm. sort of world. Um, a uh, big thing on runways right now. Um, <laughs> so silly. Looks like your balls are retaining water. <laughs> um, but I didn't want to get involved in that. But then I also didn't want to get involved in this kind of like um, sort of, I don't know, details magazine sort of like guys. Anything with guys in it just makes me want to kick something in the balls. <laughs> and I thought there was a space. There was a space there for something that's not like, oh, my God, fashion. Um, but also isn't just like, hey, guys, this is something you can still drink beer in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
but but the thing about it was, you know, like I know how to produce a radio show. Um, so I sort of taught myself to to make in the San Diego America. Uh, but I I can't operate a video camera, and um, I knew that there was no way that I was going to be able to make a, an audio program mm-hmm. about uh, about visual aesthetics work. And um, I had seen some of Adam's videos that he'd made, and had just been blown away. Like I just didn't. I knew people who were competent uh, filmmakers, but I didn't know anyone who had the just exceptional touch that Adam had. And the thing that was special to me was that he combined both being able to make something that looked beautiful which for something like this is really important Mm -hmm. um but also he's really funny and he really knows what's funny he didn't mention that he edits you look nice today and it's one of the best put together i've i had a big talk with jad abumrad who hosts radio lab about uh about how carefully put together you look nice today is um and it's and it's all in the service of humor and tone and so i knew he was like he could really handle humor and tone and the aesthetics and so that's why that's why i asked him if he'd be interested in doing it actually we my my real issue was that i knew he got paid a lot of money to edit like lexus commercials or whatever or like add fireballs to them or i don't know what (laughs) exactly he does on that computer but um i knew that he got paid a lot of money so my real concern was like how can i come up with enough money so that Adam is getting paid not market rate, but just enough that he doesn't feel like he's being taken advantage of. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I don't know if it, if if it's if it's it, any creative project, if it feels worthwhile, then you don't even it's not you don't even you don't even think about the money really. I mean, you know, yeah. you know how it is. You do Jesse, you do passion projects. Yeah, sure. From time to time, for no money. You're talking about fuck fest. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's cat dander in that laugh right there. <laughs> you guys do you guys do stuff that you don't get paid for, obviously. That uh, yeah, you know, pretty much completely just for the yeah. love of it, right? Yeah. So, well, and also at this point, I mean, we're we've been doing this three years. Like, we've committed so much time to it that we have to just keep pressing on, assuming that someday it will yield some kind of money. <laughs> to so. be fair, we've paid to be here today. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's kind of weird. <laughs> this is a this is a pay to play situation. <laughs> it's like community theater. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I, I guess, uh, yeah. The show you've done two episodes now, which are both great. The third one is will be out Tuesday, which should be tomorrow, assuming you're listening to this to the day the day that it uh, dropped. Um, but it's not just the the show. The the blog has become a big. Uh, part of my uh, time-killing day at work now, because um, not Jesse. Again, I uh, I know more about you than Adam because I listen to your show more than I listen the, than I do Adam's. Is that okay to say? <laughs> um, yeah, that's fine, Dick. <laughs> Here's yeah. the thing: that's he your name, right, Dick? <laughs> Dickhole. <laughs> he did listen to several and said, "I'm not listening to this again." <laughs> so that's that's right. why yeah, he made I that decision. Um, Absolutely. Didn't well, you call well, it faggot <laughs> shit? I think I remember you calling yeah. it faggot shit. Um, no, what I want to say, is, Jesse, you're a guy who's, the, I, I think probably three of your main interests would be style, hip-hop, and baseball. All things <laughs> that I've long been interested in but don't know a lot about. Uh-huh. But thanks to the Put This On blog, that one is kind of rising out of that category. <laughs> I'm kind of starting to know a little bit more 
about style. I bought uh, uh, navy blue socks. Oh because wow! I put this on because that's about all I can afford <laughs> uh, off of your recommendations. Well, you're so in the far. big leagues. But where'd you, uh, get, where'd you get them from? Uh, Target. <laughs> right. See, oh, I get yeah. My, yeah, I get my socks from Target as well. It's a good place to buy socks. Yeah. I got I got these bad boys from Target. These white <laughs> ones here. I'm not wearing socks. No. <laughs> You're sure um, not. There they you are. You bought your ankles from Target. <laughs> so, uh, I guess, talk about uh, how much time... Yes, I'm a robot. <laughs> 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 Sorry. Um, <laughs> how much time goes into the blog I mean you say it's something you do when you're not doing Sunnyvale America you know what I've been spending way too much time on the put this on <laughs> blog that's the frank answer mm. um, we make so little money off of the put this on blog um, relative to our other low paid occupations um, I I here's the thing like the cool thing about you know when I work on the sound of young America and you know I I uh, until recently, I was pretty much solo. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, I hired my first proper employees. Um, but it, it's it's one of those things where everybody needs something to do. Everybody needs something to occupy themselves uh, when they're worried about something else. And so for me, it's something that I do. Like, for example, this morning, I had such a busy day today working. I had... Um, I had an interview this afternoon. I did an interview this afternoon. I had a big meeting this morning. I had um, I, I had another interview uh, this afternoon. I had two interviews this afternoon. Um, I had this, such a busy, chock full of Sound of Young America stuff day, and I'm like waiting to find out about this bank loan and stuff. So mm-hmm. I'm like super stressed out. And so what I did was instead of working on the, those things and make, improving them, I just wrote two huge put this on posts. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's sort of like Ooh, that one was good too. It was bitchy. About I wrote a bitchy tour. one. Yeah, I wrote <laughs> oh, a bitchy one. I wrote, what happened is I wrote one that I thought was good, and then it didn't get the reaction I'd hoped on Tumblr. Mm. And so then I wrote a bitchy <laughs> one. <laughs> now, what was the uh, what was the bitchy one about? Um, you know, I was on. Um, I was on. I we have this put this on email box, right? If you mm-hmm. email contact at put this on dot com. And um whenever somebody posts something about style on one of the big geek websites, mm-hmm. uh like Boing Boing or Lifehacker or um I don't know, slash dot. <laughs> you know all those style things on slash dot rocketing up up, up slash dot. <laughs> I don't even know if slash dot still exists. <laughs> um, but Boing Boing posted this post today about this clothing line that was targeted at the IT industry, and it was really sweet. It was like the the slogan was "You're a man, dress like one," which is not too far from our for men who want to dress like grown ups. Um, it, it, you know, it was, it's like, it's like a line of blazers and shirts mm-hmm. and for various nitpicky sartorial reasons, they're horrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, just really bad, just really egregiously bad. Just really like, uh, Ryan Seacrest, 2003 bad. And, um, and so I just pointed out why they were so bad. I just sort of listed everything that was wrong with them. And I kind of, I felt a little bit bad about it because I agree with their sentiment. I agree that there is something honorable in dressing well. And I, if you look at the comments on the Boing Boing post, it's all these fucking bitchy geeks 
who were like, oh my God, I would never wear anything other than a t-shirt because I have to load servers into racks. <laughs> you know, it's like, how about this? That's a really good nerd impression. <laughs> such a good geek voice. <laughs> because, but you know, it's, but the, and the thing that bothers me about it is not that they're geeks because I certainly have, you know, you mentioned baseball and uh-huh. all these things that I geek out over myself. Um, it's just, it's just this kind of, it's just this attitude, which is when something, when something I don't like is going on in the world socially, uh, I come up with a complicated, uh, logical justification for why it's horrible. Um, and that really bothers me. You see, you can see a lot of that in the boing boing thread, but I didn't, I, I've learned not to engage that. So instead I just pointed out why. It was stupid to have working buttonholes, I mean, working cuffs on a jacket that was size small, medium, large, extra large. But you got to do it. You got you. I mean, as maybe it feels a little bad to be negative because you're otherwise so overwhelmingly positive, and that's what you're. You've you Jesse, you've kind of built your empire around that about celebrating the awesome things in life, but. People need to know, and and speaking personally, people. That's appreciate. why I hit my kids. <laughs> <laughs> people, people need to know why some stuff is bullshit. You know, because how else are they going to know? They're just gonna, they're they're like because they because you have a voice and uh, that that people trust now because of your expertise on the blog. So I'm not saying you should do a lot more of this about picking things apart, but certainly you know leading by negative example is a great way to learn. I think, I think a lot of people learned probably from that post. A lot of people, especially especially men and especially young men, are very insecure about the way they dress. And so I'm always worried about that. I'm always worried about the fact that, you know, I, I made a post the other day that really was not an attack on anything. And somebody reblogged it on Tumblr and wrote a thing about basically how they felt personally attacked by it. Mm-hmm. And I realized like, you know, people really feel this. Like it's mm-hmm. not, it's something that people are, have kind of, are kind of a little bit scared about, you know what I mean? Um, and so it's definitely important to me to try and avoid that to the extent that I can. Yeah. You be, you be, you have to be sensitive so you don't hurt people's feelings. The thing that I don't want to be is, is, you know, I don't, you know, one of the big categories of style blogs on the internet um, and I subscribe to some of them and enjoy them, is basically list of products. It's every day, here's 10 new things you can buy. You can, If you don't follow style blogs, I'm sure you've seen this in the world of tech, for example. Mm. Um, and that is just, I, that is like borderline morally abhorrent to me. Oh, like, yeah, totally. It's just it gross. Just, it's 10 reasons why I should feel bad that I don't. You know, feeling if <laughs> ten reasons I feel inadequate, and so the idea the idea that i'm the idea that I'm bad because I'm promoting expensive shoes, despite the fact that I you know talk about how to buy them on eBay or mm. recognize them at the thrift store um and these blogs are just listing five hundred dollar item after five hundred dollar item like and what's worse is that being worn by models and say what you will about the modeling industry, but it's um I find, you know, models every bit as silly as the movie Zoolander makes them out to be. <laughs> and what I love about your, uh, the posts there where you show people uh, wearing clothes that you would support is that they're all real people, you know? Like, mm-hmm. they're real dudes can dress well. Here's, here's you know, a slightly portly, um, you know, maybe five foot three inch, uh, you know, dude who doesn't, who, who doesn't have perfect hair and teeth. And he looks awesome. Look how good he looks. You can too. One really cool thing about men's style, especially, is that 
Um, basically, once you develop into an adult, um, you can refine your style through the course of your life in a way that a woman, frankly, will just will never be able to do. And there's no doubt that there's certainly elegant older women and fantastically dressed older women and so on and so forth. Um, but men's style is something that, um, you know, I, we just posted today on the blog a post that I didn't expect to become a huge hit but was, which was a post of Cary Grant on his 60th birthday. Hmm. And like 200 people reblogged it or whatever. And, um, you know, that's a man who's 60 years old and looks every bit as elegant and amazing because of his strong personal style as, mm -hmm. you know, a 21-year-old does. You know, yeah. it's it's an interesting thing. Sorry to interrupt you there, that's David. Right. I, I figure that with fashion stuff, you're going to be leading the charge on this episode anyway. Because so. I bought the blue socks. You sure did. <laughs> um, I, uh, you got to go to the man with the socks. <laughs> My white socks aren't, don't even match. They're not the same. This guy's so cool. <laughs> he calls do. Target Target. <laughs> <laughs> um but, it, you know, it's interesting what you... How do you mismatch, mismatch white socks? Does one say Adidas on it? No, they're both the same company, but they're a different kind of sock. So, oh, uh, you know... This is brutal. Um, but, uh, but anyway, so... Um, and it's because of people like you that I'm starting to notice this kind of no. thing and feel bad. No, but, don't um, feel bad. You know what shows I... Can I interject real quick? Just go ahead. Uh, I watched one of these makeover shows that... Uh, I think it was... Jenny Jones? No, 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 no. It was like um, it was on Bravo or something. It was like one of those what not to wear shows mm -hmm. types of shows. I love those. They're not about making the person feel bad. The the you know the heavy set lady feel bad. Mm -hmm. They're just and, and they like put they took her clothes and they put them on other people so she could see how frumpy she was dressing. <laughs> and she's just like and it's just, it's just celebration of uh, you know re re uh, re uh, a restart. You know like. Adam, I don't know if you guys did. You I was guys crying see the, what? The did you see what Adam brought you? He made this. <laughs> he made this collage about body image issues. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> I was wondering what was under that uh, under that cloth. Um, but uh, what's an interesting thing for me is because uh, I I watched um, uh, I watched episode two of uh, Put This On, and uh, and it was it was focusing on shoes, and your your attitude was was one of as as Adam mentioned one of uh, extreme positivity without seeming condescending. And that, to me, I think is the, is the key because uh, I'm somebody who I'm, I'm, I've always been a T-shirt and jeans kind of person. Uh, and as I've gotten older, uh, inspired in many ways by, by David, um, I decided, like, you know what, I want to start wearing, like, button-up shirts. I'll still wear jeans, but, like, I'm just going to start wearing button-up shirts and tucking them in and looking a little better as a person, looking a little more... Uh, Adult, uh, you do ways. have just for the listener. You do have a model's body. Absolutely, no question about it. I mean, yeah. you know, I do. I make everything look good, no matter what it is. This uh, this uh, five dollar Target T shirt uh, really is the height of fashion when it's on me. But um, well, the positivity thing you mentioned mm -hmm. uh, brings me to, to really why I like put this on so much. This uh, has, has been talked about the uh, men in their twenties and thirties being interested in personal style has been resurgent i think lately mm -hmm. and uh that's a good thing because there are now more sources uh, before uh, th another thing i have to thank put this on for is introducing me to uh in you know along the right hand side of the of the blog links to other blogs that i had no idea about like street etiquette or um i'm a big fan of a continuous lean now um nerd boyfriend um but 
before I discovered put this on, I didn't discover it. You know, <laughs> the only things I really knew were uh, Ask Andy, which is uh, a bunch of really nice guys, just whose style is a little bit more. It's a Ask Andy is a website uh, run by a guy who used to work in a Ralph Lauren store. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very it's very traditional. Yeah, what it, you would call it. So yeah, they're very. It's it's one of the more I think I think civil message boards on the internet probably, but it's not necessarily the style I was interested in. And then there was Style Forum, which I have tried to read a couple times, and I hate because it's full of dicks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I don't know if you guys. Uh, I'm a regular on Style Forum, and I I like it a lot, but I I can understand what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, that's what I I guess. So what I what I want to ask is uh, um. <laughs> I don't know what the question is, but about this sort of uh, this trend of becoming interested in it, how uh, obviously that's not you're not riding that wave. This is something you've been interested in your whole life. How do you see put this on outlasting that? You know, I think. Um, oh, how do I see it outlasting that? Or wow. you can answer the question you thought well, I asked. The question <laughs> I thought you were about to ask um, was about where this wave is coming from. Um, I think what it comes from is the fact that. Uh, you know, clothing was such a keystone in the baby booms rebellion. Um, you know, from from wearing blue jeans as teenagers in the fifties to you know long hair in the sixties. You know, all the way through you know leisure suits in the seventies. I mean, each each part of this evolution has been fueled by um, the baby boomers saying you're not the boss of me to their parents. Mm -hmm. And, you know, now the baby boomers, you know, my, my parents were born in, uh, 1942 and 1943, 1943, 1944. Um, they're very classic baby boomers and, um, you know, they're now in their, uh, mid sixties and I'm 29 and I don't need to define my generation by, uh, dressing down. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, in fact, it's, it's almost rebellious and, and people who are around my age, it's almost rebellious to take care in your personal appearance. Um, and, and there was a, I, I thought it was really interesting. I made this post on, put this on, there was this interesting article that I'm sure Adam read in Wired Magazine about the relationship between Apple and AT&T. And, um, it was, it was interesting for, you know, techie type nerd type reasons, but there, there was an interesting sartorial nugget in it, which was um, someone suggested to Apple that perhaps Steve Jobs should wear a suit to the AT&T board meetings because mm-hmm. obviously it's the board meeting of a fucking enormous multinational company <laughs> and everyone's wearing a suit and maybe the thing to do is wear a suit, right? And the person who was responding to that request on behalf of Steve Jobs the attribution in the article is a little unclear. It kind of implies it's Steve Jobs, but I don't think it was Steve Jobs who said this. Um, says, uh, this is Apple. We don't even own suits. And yeah, which kind of sounds like urban myth. I mean, like... I know. To, I, who knows? To, I'm not blaming it on Apple. I, no. Adam is Adam has the has a 12-foot <laughs> boner for Apple, <laughs> and, and I think they're just dandy, so I have no problem with Apple. But... Um, it's what that's about is it's about this culture war that went on in like 1969, Mm -hmm. as far as I'm concerned, you know, Mm -hmm. 40 years ago. Um, And now I think that's done and I'm happy to, it's sort of like you hear these stories from 
college professors talking about how younger people these days, when they read, uh, like, On the Road or, or Catcher in the Rye, they don't feel inspired or they don't think these characters are cool. They think they're lazy and irresponsible, which has <laughs> right. always kind of been my reaction to – I've actually never read On the Road. I don't want to pretend that I have. But uh, <laughs> I, I don't I read, found so. Holden Caulfield uh, I can't read. very boring. I'm the R. Kelly of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted. Um, no, but in, in, you know, but I, I, I got I to gotta play devil's advocate on that, uh, on that one with the corporate – with the suit wearing in the corporate environment. And yeah. I I I also believe that there's a uniform in a proper context, and I think, I think that who, if if people work for a company where the s- semi unofficial uniform is like black sh- black t shirt and jeans, then a meeting can only be run correctly if people are wearing that uniform. So I think that to put this was, you know, that this was AT and T's board meeting, right? <laughs> right. Yes. Where Steve Jobs was a guest. Yes. Yeah, I feel <laughs> like he probably would have felt like uh, he wouldn't be able to conduct business in his. In oh my God, what am I even doing right now? <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Well, maybe I, it's not. It's not about. It's totally not about Jobs personally. I just think there's a generational. We're in a space where it's okay to be to think of elegance as a choice that you can make. Just like, you know, being a skinhead is a tr- a, a, the cultural group skinheads, not the racist skinheads. It's sort of like <laughs> this will get us into the finally get into the topic proper, yeah. which is uh, male style in the in the in the cinema. Uh, I mentioned earlier today on Twitter that you guys were coming over to be on the on the show. And uh, I immediately got a tweet saying, ask them what they thought of Joseph Gordon-Levitt's suit in Inception. <laughs> oh, I, oh I, we were, I was talking about it on the way over here. Um, well, this is what I'm talking like, I mean, Inception is a cool, cool movie right now that I don't know what you guys think of the suits in particular, but it features a bunch of really sharp-dressed guys. That's like the – this is the movie, the geek movie of the summer. Sure. And I don't, I'm, I'm not um, – I, I don't know enough about style um, to have been able to point out what types of, what types of suits everybody was wearing. But I did definitely, my jaw dropped over how good everyone looked through the entire movie. Um, Ellen Page was dressed a little bit like Punky Brewster throughout most of it. (laughs) (laughs) She's cute, but I don't know who designed her wardrobe. Um, But all the the men couldn't have looked better. And um, I wanted every single suit in, in there. Sure. Yeah, well, first I want Joseph Gordon-Levitt's frame. Then I want a suit to hang Oh, yeah, he's a well-built on. little man. Uh, Can I have his talent? <laughs> You're <laughs> sure. taking the frame. Can I have the talent? Sure, absolutely. The good looks? <laughs> oh, wait, which one is that? Is that his, is that his talent? I'm taking Being the good, good looks looking? and the talent. <laughs> he's a gifted actor, singer, and dancer. Mm-hmm. Is that true? Yeah. He sings and dances? <laughs> you seen him open that uh, Saturday Night Live yeah, last sure. year? No. Yeah. That was it's rare that a, that a guest can it off the musical number yeah he did he did it in spades to the nines <laughs> yeah but in inception Six of one half dozen of the other <laughs> why has, has any i don't know if they have have they been getting flack for it for the uh, suits in inception no it's, it's been a big focal point right. i know i, I know that i know about these i've not seen inception yet but i know about these suits because i get we get about four emails a day yeah in the a, put this on email what do you think of, the, of joseph gordon levitt's outfit so have you seen is it all one guy just saying, like, <laughs> I need to know what you think. Have you seen it's enough stills from the film to know the outfit? I have not. I, I can't judge it. But I, I'll tell you, I like that George, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I think he's a winner. <laughs> you know, and I, I think uh, 
This can so, kind of get us into the well, let's, topic. Let's get into it. Shall we? All right. Let's talk about... Uh, and maybe someday Joseph Gordon-Levitt can be added to this list. Okay, in, fair in enough. 20 years. But uh, the, the, the icons, the go-tos for cinematic style or, or just style in the cinema. Who... Uh, Who's on your guys' list? Well, we sort of picked, we sort of picked different... Um, we have different criteria, I think, quite reasonably so. Mm-hmm. So I sort of... When I watch a movie and I see the outfits, and I yes, I call them outfits. Sure. Um, <laughs> when I see the little outfits that the kids are wearing in the movie... Um, they're just darling. Yeah, they're just the darling... Oh, my God, the little hats. <laughs> um, when I see the outfit that somebody's wearing in the movie, all I can think is, oh, man, what an outfit. I will, all I want to do is wear that outfit to the point where it will take me out of the film how excited I get about the outfit. <laughs> and like if I'm watching something with a lot of outfits, like if I watch the BBC television series Jeeves and Worcester, uh, mm-hmm. when I'm watching Jeeves and Worcester, I basically I have a hard time following the plot because I've got such a boner for the outfits. <laughs> um, so my perspective is sort of like... Do you put on your suit and tie when you wear jeans? And <laughs> yeah, totally. You should watch the DVD. I put on wear, my tweet Put suit. on their mouse ears to watch the Mickey Mouse. You know what I do? I put, on, I put on a country suit when it's country scenes and a city suit when it's city <laughs> oh scenes. My God. So almost every movie just turns into a fashion documentary for you. Just, yeah, uh, in, in my eyes. Um, but uh, so, so I sort of looked at it in terms of in terms of personal style and what you would wear, I think maybe Adam. I was looking more for uh, characters with a signature style, like or a signature outfit. So, I mean, for me, at the end of the day, the number one all time is, of course, Keanu Reeves in The Matrix <laughs> <laughs> because of his sweet duster. <laughs> um, no, uh, the one that came to my mind when the one that came to my mind immediately and was really insistent uh, was uh, Cary Grant in To Catch a Thief. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I mean, Cary Grant is beside, I mean, one of the best looking dudes that there ever was, and you know, along with maybe I don't know Fred Astaire, um, is just someone who is invariably dressed impeccably, just spectacularly mm-hmm. well dressed, in no matter what the film is. Um, but in that film, he plays um, uh, he plays a sort of continental jewel thief, and so his um, his kind of swaggering masculinity um, or his you know refined swaggering masculinity is um, sort of set off against this sort of fifties idea of what a French guy might be like, mm-hmm. and so there's right in the very beginning of the film, he wears excuse me some gray flannel trousers. And a um, like a, like a nautical shirt, like a nautically striped shirt, and a red neckerchief. Mm-hmm. And I don't think anybody has ever looked so badass in a neckerchief. <laughs> like he looks, he wears a neckerchief. Like wearing a neckerchief is the normalist, most not gay, <laughs> not even French. He just like he just looks beautiful. He just looks elegant and spectacular and um and and he just looks perfect and he looks like that throughout the film. So that was the first thing that came to my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh you know who else looks good in a neckerchief is I forget his name, but the the guy from Scooby Doo. <laughs> <laughs> Fred. Fred 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 from Scooby Doo. <laughs> He can, he can pull it off. Sure. He's got Played the right by frame Freddie Prince Jr. in the live action film, am I correct? Right. So yes. his is his next one is Freddie Prince Jr. <laughs> Absolutely. You ever Anything, see that movie Summer any, Catch? Oh yeah. man. Anything he's been in. <laughs> I guess for my first go round I'll I'll pick um I'll pick Barry Egan, Adam Sandler and Punch Drunk Love. Mm. 
with yeah. his signature blue suit. Yeah. Um, and I just and and we see him in the suit the first time we see him in the movie. For all we know, it's what he wears. It's his everyday suit. But then when we first see Luis Guzman, Luis Guzman says, uh, "Why are you wearing a suit?" You know, yeah. when he comes into the office, "Why are you wearing a suit?" And Barry Egan says. I I uh, bought a suit. I just thought it would look nice. And then the very next day, um, Luis Guzman is wearing a suit also. <laughs> but they never mention it. <laughs> and then after that, after that day, Luis Guzman goes back to not wearing a suit again. <laughs> That's just a beautiful little thing. I loved it. I so love much. that suit, too. And I love that he's clearly not a guy who thinks about what he's putting on every morning. This is like he's decided to make a change in his life. Sure. And that change is going to be oh, yeah. signified such by him a, wearing the same suit every day for the rest of the movie. Such a deliberate change. You're exactly right. It speaks to his character so well. Uh-huh. And also just the color of it, that primary blue. Like any time it seems like that group of directors, that wave of directors, Paul Thomas Anderson, Wes Anderson, uh, Quentin Tarantino. You mentioned Wes Anderson because Danny Glover wears a very distinct blue right, suit. Right, same, same color Royal suit. Was there, a green, was there a green velvet suit in there somewhere? I forget. I, I can't remember, but there is a very, very distinctively blue suit that he wears. But they love making choices like that with the primary colors of the wardrobe. That uh, uh-huh. It's a bit It's a bit like well. Pete Campbell's suit on yeah. Mad mm. Men. Uh-huh. That just that, that that color is... is so, I mean, it's a normal color. I mean, blue is... A, but that kind of cobalt blue right. is such an unusual suit color and so very much of you know it was only a mainstream color for a suit for a brief period and it's it's so it's so kind of like set someone apart immediately mm-hmm. without having to make them be wearing like a pink suit or something like mm-hmm. that it's one that's one thing, I, one thing i really like about mad men is that for the for all the attention it gets as being a very stylistic show it's also very realistic it's not like sex in the city where they never wear the same thing twice you see suits like pete's blue blue suit from the repeat. first season to uh-huh. just this past episode he wore it again uh-huh. uh you see it recur i like that i like that realism totally what do you call that material that's the shimmery like what a suit is yeah, shark skin shark skin yeah what do you think about a shark skin suit? I think a shark skin suit is uh, a great thing to wear if you're uh, a dick in <laughs> 1998 and you just saw Swingers. Okay, that's what I feel <laughs> about it, too. So what yeah. is... Uh, now, shark skin suit is obviously not made of shark skin. It's made I of don't know. I think it's, it's made it's of... It's a certain type of eel. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, what, what is the... What, what you, is would, it? you would see the Rat Pack favoring a mm-hmm. shark suit. Along, yeah. Right? You'd, Right. Famous well, dicks, yeah, the Rat Pack. Dicks. Uh, but uh, what is the fabric of a shark celebrity skin, asshole? A, a shark skin suit. <laughs> um, it's a a shark skin suit. I mean, it's usually just wool. Uh, later mm. on, you know, like if it's sort of like a late sixties, early seventies version, it might be a blend. But it's usually wool. But it's it just has to do with the way the wool is the way the wool is woven. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you w- basically weave it tight and hard enough, um, it becomes shiny. <laughs> <laughs> what, do you, right. what are you what are you yeah. chuckling at? Are you chuckling at Titan Hard? Titan Hard. That's yeah. what I thought. Okay. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, I'm not used to looking into a man's eyes while he says the word is Titan Hard to me. Can I I I have a I had a Wes Anderson favorite. My Wes Anderson favorite, uh, when we I asked this on um on our blog, what are your favorite? And a lot of people suggested the Royal Tenenbaums, which I think is a I think any movie that Wes Anderson's involved in is gonna have really intense aesthetic choices and mm-hmm. specific aesthetic choices. Um, and the sartorial choices are among those. Um, but uh, I think my favorite is um, the Darjeeling Limited when it comes to his the choices of mm-hmm. outfits in his movies. There's something about... 
you know, there's something. Maybe it's just that the that the preciousness felt more appropriate for the milieu. It felt less like a joke. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess at the end of the day, it's just that fucking luggage. Oh God, I want that luggage so bad. <laughs> oh, it's so fucking beautiful. Um, I'm not the biggest Mark Jacobs guy, but my hat is off to Mark Jacobs for that fucking luggage. Oh my goodness gracious! You know my favorite. Uh, I haven't seen the Darjeeling Limited. It's the only Wes Anderson film I haven't seen. But I'm, I think my favorite suit. In all of Wes, An- Wes Anderson is actually the fantastic Mr. V- Mr. Fox's corduroy suit. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's a great. I have a corduroy suit. Um, uh, corduroy suits are actually big this fall. I don't. I, it's an odd thing to be big, um, but uh, I have a corduroy suit, and man, I just fucking love wearing it. It's it's hard to wear, you know, because it's sort of like it's not, it's not really something you wear to a meeting. You know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that there's that kind of like. There's that kind of the, the fantastic Mr. Fox suit has this kind of looseness about it as well. In addition to the sort of, I mean, it's like a country suit for mm-hmm. an animal that lives in a hole mm-hmm. um, <laughs> in the country. But it's there's also that he wears that terry cloth shirt underneath it, uh-huh. and it's 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 um, it's a nice combination of sort of elegant and and vaguely like too slick, a little icky. Well, we uh, talked about. Uh, go ahead. Okay. Sorry, I keep interrupting. Talking. It's fine. Um, the uh, I was trying to think in terms of uh, I was trying to think outside the the box a little bit as far as when I think of of fashionable uh, actors and uh, whether it be on TV or film, um, I kept uh, coming to um, somebody who's in many ways very similar to like a Cary Grant, which is David Niven, um, which I, I've not seen much. I haven't seen a lot of films with him in it, but of course, it should be noted, he's also played a jewel thief. Uh, there's something about being a jewel thief. You really want to look nice all mm-hmm. the time. Um, he's but also a well-dressed military man in uh, A Matter of Life and Death. Yeah. Known and on these shores as Stairway to Heaven, but I'll go with the uh, British name. Man, so fr- so frustrating, because uh, <laughs> I, I, I talked about that movie Le with a friend. Le Andalou. <laughs> <laughs> Andalusian dog, that's what I call it. Um, but uh, it's what uh, Jay Sherman named it, the dog he found on the critic. That's right. That's which is awesome. Um, but yeah, and he was in separate tables. And then and then if you see any like any interview with him in life, he was just he just really embraced that sense of style, maybe because he was just very British and he and he felt that that's what he he should be. But, you know, you see when he's in a tux, of course, you're in a tux and you would you always look good in a tux. I feel like I could probably still manage to make it frumpy. But uh, there's a there's a certain. I don't know. But he also wore, like, in just casual lounging wear, like a nice polo shirt. Like, you see photos of him, uh, like, lounging on a, on a deck, you know, by the, by the ocean. And you just think, like, man, there's... I, I'm trying to think of any actors these days that, could, that are the equivalent of, like, a Cary Grant or a David Niven. Who are the stylish guys these days? Yeah, well, you a, know, a I Justin Timberlake? Joseph, Joseph Gordon-Levitt does very well for himself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, I mean, I think the part of the problem is that, um, you know, elegance is not a quality that is very much prized in a movie star right now. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's hard to you want to either be youthful or funny or badass or something like that. Mm-hmm. And none of those lend themselves, frankly, to elegance and dress. I think probably the best is Clooney. Clooney mm-hmm. Yeah, Clooney, um, of you know, Clooney will occasionally pull something that's a little bit and I think Brad Pitt does a pretty good job as well mm. uh, Clooney will occasionally pull something that's a little bit of a sort of 
Hollywood dude move. Like he'll wear like a he'll wear a long tie with a tuxedo or something like that. But um, it's clear that his you know his whole aesthetic and his personal aesthetic as well and his the sort of root of his charisma is that kind of elegance. And so mm-hmm. there's something that there's something actually that Clooney wears in a lot of movies and in real life frequently that is something that I just think is absolutely underrated, which is um, a good pair of blue jeans and a heathered gray T-shirt that fits great. Hmm. And Clooney, I mean, when he's wearing that on screen, I just want to suck his dick. It's kind of the Matthew Fox from Lost look. Yeah, as a man who's married <laughs> to a, as a man who's married to a woman, like who's totally okay with it, who's totally cool with me sucking Clooney's dick. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have sucked his dick, so I know what it's like. It's, I mean, you know, it's not that great for me because I'm straight, but I'm willing to do it because he looks so good in that t-shirt. <laughs> Only does, in the t-shirt, though. Does, does Clooney tuck his, his dick? His yeah, he does tuck his <laughs> <laughs> Afterwards? <laughs> Whoops. I stepped in that one. <laughs> does he tuck in the t-shirt? Uh, I don't think he, he does sometimes and does in other times, I think. I think, I think that whole, uh, it's odd that, we brought up jokingly, but we brought up the Rat Pack, uh, and how for for many they were the the essence of cool and the essence of style. And so, I think it's appropriate that in Ocean's Eleven you got Clooney, you got Brad Pitt, you got Matt Damon, any you know all these guys, and Don and Cheadle. many of Don Cheadle you got, and just they all they seem to really want to in many ways, though being very superior to the first Ocean's Eleven, really wanting to evoke that kind of that kind of cool where it just right. it's confidence. It's yeah, that's right. I'm wearing a suit. I'm wearing a, what was it? Ted Ted Nugent's shirt, you know, just mm-hmm. all these uh, all these types of, of fashions. And I feel like they, along with something like Mad Men, sort of sort of made it a little cooler. Uh, all of a sudden, people younger like myself, uh, when I saw it, said like, man. I gotta get me a suit, mm-hmm. you know. But wearing a suit in Vegas seems a little slimier than. It does oh yeah, <laughs> especially if you do what Brad Pitt does in Ocean's Eleven, which uh, is really ugly to me. Is he's got the French cuffs. He gets involved in this really big robbery. <laughs> <laughs> he's got the the French cuffs undone and then wrapped back over his uh, his sleeve. And uh, mm. it's, yeah, I mean, uh, I think you know, it's funny really the way it's funny the way that the sartorial choices get so tied up in. Um, your feelings about the people on the screen mm-hmm. and and also I think the the tone that the filmmaker brings um, I mean I think that a, a huge part of why that f- why Ocean's Eleven feels so cool and it sure does I, I really mm-hmm. agree with you um, is just that personal elegance of Clooney especially but you know the rest of them as well um, and and the skill at creating that tone that Soderbergh has I mean, I know, uh, I know one of my favorite movies that I know Adam is also a big fan of um, is The Limey. Oh, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and that's a film that, that captures that tone so perfectly. Um, it's just, you know, and, and you could, I mean, you could be wearing a garbage bag. And if he's shooting you like that with that music and that editing pace and et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. um, you look cool as shit. Mm-hmm. I wonder if, uh, because... Brad Pitt and, and George Clooney, they are probably some of the more fashionable guys these days, but they're also kind of the template for a modern male movie star, which makes me wonder, somebody like Robert Downey Jr., who is a movie star, but he's not the standard male movie star. He's He brings a certain degree of, of 
comic uh, timing to to every role, like which is why the Iron Man movies are so so interesting in and of themselves. But that offbeat kind of attitude, he s- seems to have. Uh, if there's a current Rat Pack, he's Dean Martin. You think so? Is that what you're saying? Well, what I would say is... I think I just say that because he seems drunk all the time. Well, fair enough. But um, that's so mean. You know, he's trying, David. I'm sorry. Um, I saw him at Comic-Con, and uh, he was just annoying. But what was he... Here's the thing. I, I don't think he sees himself as the Rat Pack at all. I think he sees himself maybe as like a Don Rickles type or something, where he stands, he stands <laughs> outside of them. He stands outside of them. Every bit is well-known. And and says like yeah that's right I'm not going to wear the typical suit I'm going to wear this crazy thing because even at Comic Con he was dressed kind of strange at the Oscars he was dressed uh, in a, still a suit I, I if I remember correctly it was Slave Leia right <laughs> yeah he was dressed <laughs> as Slave Leia uh, and so it's so I feel like he he tries to make the uh, any and he always looks interesting and always looks good but I think he tries to make his his public wardrobe be an extension of how he thinks he is viewed as a movie star like a little bit offbeat a little off the, uh, off the beaten path and that's why he's annoying he's playing Maybe, a character yeah. all the time sorry someone someone that's on my list that um is just wonderful for inserting his own aesthetic into a film is michael kane mm-hmm. um and i because i watched i watched get carter like maybe nine months ago and this is a movie about his uh, Get Carter. The, his he's, Get in, Car- yes. he's in both of them. I watched yeah. Get Carter with Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> um, I watched I watched uh, his Get Carter, and um, I mean it's a it's an it's a funny film because w- Michael Caine is sort of like an East End kind of guy, like. <laughs> And um, <laughs> wait, is it is that that nerd from that forum again? That's yeah. uh, both Adam and I are gifted impressionists. You heard his <laughs> Louis Guzman and Adam Sandler earlier. Hello, <laughs> um, I'm Louis Guzman. <laughs> Governor. Um, <laughs> you how saying. about this? I got it. I got it. Okay. Hey. I'm Terrence Stamp, I say. <laughs> I'm Terrence Stamp from the Limey. Did what you are kill they? my daughter? <laughs> um, I'm anyway, gonna get you. He's sort of like a, he's sort of like this East Endy kind of guy, and he plays that kind of character in the movie. Mm-hmm. He plays this kind of badass bruiser, and he does it in these um, in these like Henry Poole suits. <laughs> You know, like these total like Savile Row, like they're a little bit Carnaby, like they're a little bit sort of late sixties just because of the time. Mm-hmm. But he these perfectly tailored suits, and it's such a wonderful, <laughs> it's just such a wonderful thing to see because you could never see anyone so elegant doing something so inelegant. You know, speaking in this you sort of street tough voice, mm-hmm. um, wearing the styles of a l- less than elegant time, the late 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's just I mean, he just pulls it off so beautifully. And in Alfie as well, because his the character himself is also supposed to be a ladies man who's just really, really hip and with it. And and yeah, he uh, he's really rocking those those fashions, but he makes them he makes them look good. And you think like. Why did that ever go out of style? Oh, right. There's a, a movie that uh, I would I would recommend to you, you that is very rare and not that not very rare. It's not that great and not that well not that. Uh, so this movie discussed. so far this movie what I hear is this movie is difficult to find and not very good. Right. Continue. But in terms of it being uh, 
a 90 minute fashion shoot from that era. It's a movie called Two Gentlemen Sharing. Hmm. And it's uh, about Just the <laughs> name of it sounds. It? <laughs> <laughs> You'd be into this. Oh, it's, uh, it's one <laughs> of uh, those it's, films. It's basically yeah. about uh, sort of. It's about a movie. It's about two guys touching dicks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I don't. I, I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> then they tuck it in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's about a Lothario type of uh, young British white guy in the '60s who uh, uh, finds a. Similarly stylized, but black guy, and they uh, share an touch apartment dicks. together. <laughs> and then they cool. I, I, I really don't want to spoil guys, whether or not they got, touched You guys it. know blow up, blow up, right? Blow up. I've mm-hmm. never seen it, but yeah, oh, yeah. Seen, good, I, I good outfits it. in that one too. Not um, elegant, but uh, well, that brings me to something else I want to talk about. We've talked a lot about elegance. Who mm-hmm. are the guys in cinema who are good at the at the dress down look like uh like Steve McQueen Paul Newman Marlon Brando maybe. Steve McQueen Steve yeah. McQueen Steve McQueen and Steve McQueen mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean shit yeah. that guy's good at that holy mackerel <laughs> that's all that's all I got to say about it. I mean just <laughs> holy shit like I just you just see it doesn't matter what it is he's always just perfect <laughs> he's an interesting actor as well just because he has a surprising amount of charisma. Like he can wear any. Like in Thomas Crown Affair, he's not. He's not like the t-shirt and jeans. He's in the turtleneck, and because he's a thief. What is it? Okay. Anyway, um, and so, but he always just. I, I get the impression with someone like Steve McQueen. I mean, even in a western, he always seems just fashionable. I feel like there's almost a certain degree of of confidence that makes anything look good on on a person. Maybe he's not also, anything, but I, I think I don't know if you guys think, know this about him, but he's really handsome. <laughs> There's that, that as well. Yes, yes. Less so now. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I thought so. of another one. I thought of another one. Um, movie character with good style. Did you guys see? Um, did you guys see Youth and Revolt? No. No, I didn't. Oh, so uh, Michael Sarah plays an alter ego. Um, of himself called Francois Dillinger. That's this sort of badass pattern after, you know, French New Wave like Jean Paul Belmondo or something like that with with um, white slacks and um, Oxford shirt um, and you know sockless with loafers on, <laughs> and he's and always with a cigarette between you know his ring and uh, his ring and pinky finger kind of thing. Just like a classic badass. <laughs> and I, I thought that was a great style icon. Uh, uh, I, just, I love the hell out of that movie. I saw it three times. You, you that reminds me, it. stylistically, uh, um, another recommendation, um, speaking of David Niven, is Otto Preminger's uh, film of the novel Bonjour Tristesse, mm. which is, uh, I haven't seen Youth and Revolt, but the way David Niven looks in that movie is pretty much what you just described. Which one was it? What's it called again? Bonjour Tristesse. Bonjour Tristesse. I'm going to see that. It's called... Oh <laughs> chien on the loose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, I get it. It's called Bon Bleu de Place. I didn't sure. I didn't want to just talk about old movies, so there's this there's a movie that's um it may still be in theaters depending on where you live called The Extra Man. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, with Kevin Klein, yeah. Yeah, with Kevin Klein that that was directed by the folks who directed American Splendor, the couple mm-hmm. that directed American Splendor. And um it's not a perfect movie, but I did really like it. I saw it uh I saw it at Sundance and by the way, interviewed Kevin Klein about it, so yes, look for that interview. on MaximumFun.org. Um, He's from St. Louis. He is. He's a really, really cool, funny guy. Um, but his wardrobe in that film um, is just wonderful. He, it's a sort of it. It lives in that um, 
it lives in that sort of Jonathan Ames, New York that Bored to Death is in. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm I'm thinking my mind's on Bored to Death because I just watched the first episode of season two. Oh, lucky. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. <laughs> um, uh, but he lives in that sort of ridiculous New York world that's kind of a combination of the old and new at the same time. Um, and the premise of the film is that he's a guy who whose occupation is that he um, essentially serves as an ersatz, charming, rich guy for old women whose husbands have died uh, or, or who lack companions. And mm-hmm. so he's sort of like a gigolo without any sex. He's sort of... He he essentially just... His, his occupation is that he can slip into any... A sort of hyper elegant social situation and be charming and entertaining um and then old women support his sort of you know going to nice lifestyle mm-hmm. and um he his styling in the film is just such a wonderful kind of gone to seed aristocracy um it's just so it's just so charming and great and it's it's nice for me because you know, I think a lot of people like the the fact that I dress nicely. Sometimes people think that it is about um, it's about sort of like aspiring to wealth or like mm-hmm. trying to prove that you're rich and other people are poor. Especially here in the United States, um, where you know class and money are the same thing. You know, mm-hmm. in contrast to a place where there is actual aristocracy. Mm-hmm. And um, and I so I'm I really appreciate things that it looks and aesthetics that kind of play with the idea of that sort of ar- aristocratic mm-hmm. old money aesthetic that you know like my, my probably st- biggest style hero might be Andre 3000 mm-hmm. um and it's just sort of like somebody who somebody who takes those ideas and makes them mean something new mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that sort of that guy who's who's on his last dime and walks around in a beautiful brocade velvet you know, uh, lounging outfit, you know, mm-hmm. um, is so just a really one. It was perfectly captured in that movie. It almost, it reminds me of a, uh, it reminds me of a quote from the film Blast from the Past, which is not a good movie, but uh, <laughs> it, it has its moments. But they, so you guys uh, put that on your list. Yeah, yeah. Two gentlemen sharing Bob Blast George from the past in every episode. <laughs> Every episode, it's Every like you have your own theme music. <laughs> that reminds me <laughs> of a quote <laughs> from Blast from the Past. <laughs> but they, um, but there, the quote was was in regards to. I m- believe it was in the army now, <laughs> in which. <laughs> It would um, have been the film Major Pain, <laughs> in which one of my favorite characters, Major Pain, sorry. <laughs> um, but the, A uh, lot of people appreciate Polly Shore's performance in Biodome, <laughs> but in my opinion, the true breakout star sure. is a young Jack Black. <laughs> yeah. Wait, is he in that? Yes. Oh, which man. brings us around to Blast from the Past. <laughs> yes. Um, Unrelated. Anyway, so um, but the, the the quote is actually when you re- talk about cinema, you're going to want to talk about Denver, the last dinosaur. <laughs> He's my friend, and a whole lot more. <laughs> uh, you're getting all public radio international there at the at the end there, um, but uh, that just means gay, right? <laughs> Uh, what, that's how you, we use what whatever you want it to be. Okay. It's whatever yeah. your friend and a whole lot more means. <laughs> um, Gentlemen sharing. All right. So the quote is about 
All right. The quote is about manners, uh, and they and somebody says, you know, uh, the idea of manners is it shows that you have regard for other people. I always thought it was about making other people feel less than you, and uh, and I feel like uh, in David's passion about uh, people wearing sweatpants and such uh, out when they're out and about. Um, is it, it kind of reminds me of that and wanting to dress a little bit better. It shows that, to a certain extent, it's, yeah, it's like yes, I want to look good, but I also want to show that uh, that I I value this, and I'm not just going to wear you know flip flops. Not that I have anything against flip flops, but just like I'm not just going to wear flip flops, and you have to look at my hairy feet hmm. and all these all these other other kind of things. And it's just uh, what what are you uh, you getting a little I a little was, antsy? I was stifling a yawn. Oh, okay. All right. Fair enough. It's, Take that from whatever. <laughs> Thank you. I, I think that's a really important point. And, it's, mm-hmm. you know, I was talking earlier about how worried people are about dressing well. Mm-hmm. Um, and they send me these emails to that effect. You know, we, we get a lot of emails from people. And uh, well, that's one of people's big concerns is that they, they feel like they don't want to feel like they're, they're putting on airs or putting sure, down Sure, yeah, yeah. When you not. first start doing it, and I've noticed this in myself because I sort of, sort of changed my style of dress for the most part since we've like embarked on this um is that i think it can be such a shock uh, to notice that you do feel a little bit differently and the assumption is to think that you feel like a dick um but you don't feel like a dick you just feel a little different it is when i when i oh go ahead um i I think it's uh i think people look at you different like like i said i'm still kind of new to to dressing a little better but i i You've always had a model's body. <laughs> but I mentioned Comic-Con, and I I wore a, a jacket and tie most days at, at Comic-Con, and uh, I was looked at by most of the, I think, uh, restaurant proprietors and wait staff as, even though I was wearing the same name tag, badge, as everyone else, they treated me with a little bit less disdain than the average Comic-Con geek. All right. Uh, and I was also able to just walk into Hall H at one point uh, because I was like, Holding a coffee and wearing a jacket and tie, cool. And just walk right. Past. If you walk, if you walk anywhere with authority in Comic Con, <laughs> they just assume that you're someone who knows what's going on. Um, but yeah, All it's H is where the, that's where the executives hang out at Comic Con. <laughs> no, that's, that's where the stabbings happen. <laughs> that's where I'm sure you've heard of board it. meetings. <laughs> the uh, yeah, there's a lot. Anyway, um, but uh, no, I've actually for myself, I've had that that frustration of there is a there there was not so much anymore, but there was a certain attitude amongst young young men of just wanting to look as if hey i just don't care you know whatever um and so when you ever whenever you make that change it's like i I do want to look like i care you're gonna you're gonna fight probably some mocking attitudes of your friends but also in my like in my case just this little thing just like uh, i've got like a lot of mental hurdles to get over it's just like i'm that which i hate yeah i'm i'm not i'm not putting on airs i just want to look better for the world Ah, why am I so condemning and and all that sort of thing? But uh, but it has been even in the small changes that I've made in like the kind of shoes that I wear and the kind the kind of jeans that I wear and the button up shirts and all that. It 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 makes me it certainly makes me feel more confident. And there's there's an Italian world word called sprezzatura, mm-hmm. which is uh, about the sort of um, the sort of elegance that comes from. Uh, being so together that that if you leave something undone, mm-hmm. um, it it makes you only makes you more elegant. And I hmm. think in your case that would apply to the fact that you're wearing two different types of white sweat socks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, I saw uh, when, uh, when I was at Coache- Coachella th- three years ago, um, Francis Ford Coppola was sitting in the VIP section, like lounging on a, like a portable 
you know, lounge chair. And he had shorts and two different colored socks, much like yourself. Uh, one was pink and the other was purple. <laughs> now, that's a well-dressed man. He uh, <laughs> sprezzatura, right? A sprezzatura. A sprezzatura. A sprezzatura. A Francis Ford Coppola. Alfa Romeo. Uh, Lu- Luis Guzman's back. Luis <laughs> <laughs> Guzman. Yeah, he beat me too. Uh, <laughs> Luis Guzman in The Limey. You could see the ocean if you could see it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. No, thank you, hey. Jesse. Hey, thanks to Luis Guzman. I interviewed Luis that. Guzman on The Sound of Few yeah. America. Oh, my God. He's so Luis guzman It was so <laughs> great. Oh, my God. I think I might have called Adam to tell him because I knew that he also likes Luis Guzman. I basically called everyone I know. It was like, I'm, I talked to Luis Guzman. I think we're friends. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, uh, I would tell, the, the first time that I, uh, the only other time before this that I met you, Jesse, was at the uh, premiere, the launch party for Put This On. And there was someone that I had seen on your Twitter that you had interviewed just mere days before, and I won't say who this is. And uh, so I mentioned, I was like, oh, so you got to interview blank. Uh, how was he? And you were like, kind of a dick. Mm. And, uh, <laughs> I, 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 I was immediately endeared to you. <laughs> I don't know if you remember who it's I'm talking so, about. I don't remember who you're talking about. It's so rare that somebody... Oh, wait, now I do remember who you're talking about. <laughs> I'm not. We're not going to talk about that publicly, but it's so rare that someone on my show is even kind of a dick. Like, the people on my show are so, like, almost without exception, just sweet and wonderful and, you know, are willing to put up with me and, like, just... I mean, it's... I partly think that, I think, because I pick the people who come on my show. Mm-hmm. So, like, they have a lot of points with me going in. Um, but it's so rare. But there was somebody else at that party that I feel like um, that that people in the podcast world are would be very excited to hear was there. Uh, a certain gentleman who's well-known for his enthusiasm for camp shirts <laughs> um, and his enthusiastic tones. <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Luis Guzman. <laughs> That's right. It was Luis Guzman. Um, I made a joke before I put this on launch party on Twitter. I said, I'm inviting people to the put this on launch party. Um, does anyone have Kuhlhauser's email address? <laughs> Kuhlhauser, for those who don't know uh, and haven't heard the myriad impressions of him, I think the most notable of which are James Adomians, which yeah. he does regularly on the, the uh, uh, Comedy Death Ray program, or uh, Dana, Dana Goulds, which he does regularly on the, on the Corolla show. Mm-hmm. Um, he's this amazing Southern California public television host um, who hosts a kind of like... Um, checking out local places show called California's gold. And his show is essentially composed of one long shot (laughs) of him walking through a petting zoo and just going, Oh my, look at that. And just, Oh, isn't that wonderful? Now you are, (laughs) you know, holding the microphone to the goat. And he is just, he is like, he's so good. He's so amazing. I mean, his show is a huge success because he's just wonderful and amazing. So charming, like so fascinating, such a great thing to see. And I said, well, I'm inviting people to this thing. Does anybody have Hugh Lauser's email address? Mm-hmm. And somebody 
Twittered me Huel Hauser's email address. <laughs> so I was like, well, shit, if I've got Huel Hauser's email address, I better invite him to the party, right? <laughs> like, how could I not invite Huel Hauser to this party? Not least because I felt like we were doing something that wasn't wildly dissimilar to what he does. Like, we're, you know, especially in that first episode, we were visiting a cool place in Southern California and getting to know the people there. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things about the Put This On videos. They're, they're as much about the people as mm-hmm. they are about mm-hmm. the clothes. They're, they're not really a how-to. It's more, it's more about, you know, entering a world. And fucking Huel Hauser showed up, and he made friends with Adam. <laughs> yeah. Well, we had lunch. <laughs> we did. It was great. There was some question as to whether it was going to be a date. Yeah. It but wasn't a date. We just went to a diner. You know where we went? He likes to go eat lunch at the, uh, at the police academy at Elysian Park, near Elysian Park. Oh, yeah. And uh, there's a little, a little shitty diner there where everybody knows him. We went and had lunch and talked about the business. How how was the food? It was terrible, but it was great. (laughs) I have to assume that when the cameras aren't rolling, Huel Hauser is like one of the most cynical people. (laughs) He's like, oh, this business. (laughs) This is amazing. (laughs) The Phil Hartman is Ronald Reagan SNL sketch. (laughs) That's the best. Uh, Huel, like, I don't know what your experience with him at lunch was, but my experience, I talked to him for 10 or 15 minutes at the party. And he just couldn't could not have been a nicer guy, oh, like yeah. just more generous and just kind and just I think everything that you see on screen and there's a podcast of uh, his work. If you search for Huel Hauser in iTunes, you can uh, get his videos and I really recommend them because they're just they'll just fill your heart with love. Like it's just hmm. it's just such a wonderful thing to see. And if you go back and you can see the ones from the 80s um, and he was a young strapping man. Yeah. Like, well, he, it was real tight. uh Polo shirts. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. an ex-Marine, am I right? Yeah. Yeah, ex-Marine. <laughs> so what other cinematic style, style icons Besides apart Huel? from Huel Hauser did <laughs> you guys want to talk Huel. about? Oh, man, that's tough. <laughs> um, well, I want to, you know, there's one person that I think is, this is one of my cinematic heroes of all time that I think has had this really bizarre and remarkable resonance in the world of fashion. Um, and... It's an odd person to say, but it's Pee Wee Herman. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Pee Wee Herman is, I mean, obviously one of the most iconic costume designs of mm-hmm. a character um, with his, you know, his famous sort of 60s suit with the high water trousers and the, mm-hmm. the weird white loafers and, you know, uh, and the white socks and the red bow tie and the whole nine yards. Um, uh, my Halloween costume, sophomore year of high school. Oh, there you go. It was my <laughs> Halloween costume three or four years ago. I think it may still be up on Facebook. If people make friends with me on Facebook, they can see a picture of me in a Pee Wee costume. Um, but but what's really amazing about this costume is that um, probably the single most influential menswear designer of the past five or ten years is Tom Brown, um, who uh, designs for his own label and also designs a line called Black Fleece for um, Brooks Brothers and, and some other things. Um, and Tom Brown's aesthetic is essentially the Pee Wee Herman aesthetic. It's, um, you know, t- uh, Tom Brown has a couple of additional elements, but the primary qualities are those high water pants, heavy shoes, uh, high uh, short arms on the suits, um, and bow ties and other kind of classic sort of 60s American aesthetics. Um and it's so amazing to me that this character that is such a parody has all become sort of a... I mean, Tom Brown's work is, is a sort of a parody in its own way. Mm-hmm. I, I really admire it, but it, he, he, it's, it's, it's partly a joke. 
Um, and it's amazing that this thing that was so ridiculous has become this touchstone. And now, you know, if you look at the cover of GQ, that is a suit that has been heavily influenced by this aesthetic that is essentially the same as Pee Wee Herman. It reminds me, it actually reminds me, this is, this is TV more than, more than film, um, but uh, I was watching commentary on uh, Seinfeld the other day, and the, the actors were commenting how all of the clothes have be, had become certainly dated by the time they recorded the commentary, except, of course, Kramer's. <laughs> and that he had a very strong, definitive uh, fashion style, and it seemed very offbeat at the time. And then society almost grew into it, uh, this kind of uh, hipster doofus, I guess, is the way to describe if it. If you the go to my, my grandma's house in St. Louis, which I recommend, um, you'll see <laughs> pictures of my uncles from their, their high school graduation photos. So this is from about, like, uh, 73 to 75, uh, and they look like Echo Park hipsters. Hmm. Yeah, well, I'm so I'm so not on board with '70s revivalism, with the exception of this one guy whose video, um, uh, uh, this one guy in San Francisco called uh, uh, Jeffrey, um, who has this amazing, like, louche, outrageous aesthetic of just a world famous dandy whose video you can probably find still on PutThisOn.com when this goes up. Um, but uh, you know, I think Kramer's kind of certainly something that uh, that opened my eyes i was i was into you know i'm i'm from san francisco and so the whole um the whole kind of uh golden age of fashion revival uh that sprang up um uh in the sort of two years before the movie uh swingers came out Mm -hmm. and then that sort of turned it into something about the rat pack and choked it to death. Mm. Um, but that whole thing was going on when I was in my formative years, when I was like 15. And, um, that is a place, that's a place where real elegance was prized. Now, you know, it also turned into, like I said, silly costume and about like calling women dames or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, I, I know that you know one of the big touchstone books of my childhood in terms of style or my teenage years in terms of style was a book of uh, uh, Esquire illustrations from the 30s and 40s that came mm. out that I don't know would have ever been published if it weren't for that revival of um, what you know could loosely be called the sort of swing revival. Mm-hmm. Um, but that kind of 70s stuff. And that's mostly what Kramer wore. I mean, Kramer, mm-hmm. was, mostly wearing, um, Kramer was mostly wearing stuff from the 40s, 50s, and 60s mm-hmm. um, more than from the 70s. But, you know, I was watching Seinfeld recently, and it was something that impressed me was that really the cast member whose aesthetic is closest to what's what happens to be hip right now is actually George. Hmm. Um, George really, like, George, he, it's not always perfectly executed, and he's also kind of a, you know, I mean, the man's a little bit of a dumpus. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, he's he, he has sort of a, a version of classic American style. I should I should point out that um, <laughs> as this is going on, um, Adam has grown bored, <laughs> and he's decided to use his microphone cable as a sort of pendulum <laughs> and do a little act for us. <laughs> and, I mean, it's called Walk the Dog. <laughs> he's walking the dog with his microphone. Is it uh, is that my is it maybe the allergy medicine it's kicking in? I yeah, might be, yeah, I'm a little loopy. Okay, so fair enough. Uh, in the interest of uh, wrapping things up and get, getting out of this horribly hot apartment and having a cigarette, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, were, were there any uh, style icons you, you had to get to that you haven't gotten to yet? Who's, uh, 
who's on the who's on that list that we we, we can't I like I like Owen, uh, I like Owen Wilson's jumpsuit in Bottle Rocket. <laughs> um, the line that my girlfriend and I always use around the house is, um, "We're quoting, uh, we're quoting Bob's brother, uh, not Action Man. What's his kids? Superman? Not Superman. Anyway, Bob's older brother is a total asshole, and he sees Owen Wilson in his lawn wranglers." Um, jumpsuit which is yellow and he goes uh it looks like a little banana <laughs> <laughs> or maybe yeah so it's uh, oh and so and I, I wear a jumpsuit on our show that's my uh uni- my right. uniform so the the work the work jumpsuit is just always a, a, a bold sartorial choice i think that's actually my my last one is adam on put this on <laughs> yeah. so we we found out i found out we were trying to figure out how to dress adam for the show because um, we sort of like didn't want it to be like about like, hey, Adam's, you know, learning style insights like that wasn't what we that did. We didn't want that to be a subplot on the mm-hmm. program. And oh, we also didn't want to like give Adam the pressure of like, oh, he always looks good because he's hosting a style show. Mm-hmm. Um, and Adam just happened to say like, well, I've got this jumpsuit. <laughs> and I was like, oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> fucking jumpsuit. We'll get your name embroidered on it and the logo embroidered on it. And we took it to and Adam is I can't even begin to tell you how much more beloved Adam is than me. <laughs> we'll put out a new episode and people will send me emails and it'll be like great new episode. And I'll be like, oh, man, this is going to have some stuff about how handsome and great at hosting something I am. And like Adam is so funny. Like, Adam is so cute. Like, it's always about Adam and his fucking jumpsuit. Anyway, my style icon is Adam in his <laughs> fucking jumpsuit. Right. And I don't mine is Jesse. Do I have to say that? Say right. That. Yeah. I don't and want to end with that. Talk. We, we haven't touch talked about dicks. Tuck it in, <laughs> and gentlemen sharing. Um, we haven't talked about hair at all. But I can tell you, uh, for, I'm well, they don't wear clothes in that. Isn't that the whole? <laughs> 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 uh, uh, um, I keep my hair short. It's a little long now. I need to get it cut. Uh, and I come from a family where I'm going to be losing my hair uh pretty quickly luckily from the front back not uh in the in the middle and out uh and i think a guy who does like that very assholes well. lose their hair <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like that fucker carl malone oh, um a guy who does that well is jason statham he's my hmm. follicular mm. uh, icon because <laughs> he's losing his hair and he looks oh, he looks there's good. a handsome man huh <laughs> yeah. uh. Yeah, he's got a chiseled head, though. I feel like you. Yeah. To to be a white guy and look good with a shaved head, you I do have right. a chiseled. When I was in <laughs> when I was in college, I was a resident advisor, and I had finished all my classes, but I had to stick around until the last people went home. So I had like a week where I didn't have anything to do when I was at college. I got bored, and uh, my friend Jill and me just set up a chair on the on the quad and just shaved all my hair and then i just shaved it with a razor <laughs> like all the way bald and basically m- my then girlfriend now wife was just like never never <laughs> never 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 and it was so sad because i was already starting to lose hair then mm. and you know it's only it's only progressed now <laughs> and all i can think Am I on the pill? Yeah. Yeah, but it's only because we had an accidental pregnancy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, I think the reason I can get away with it is because you can't tell now because it's too long. I have a little scar on my head that looks like maybe someone might have broken a bottle over my head at some point, but actually I fell down and hit a magazine rack when I was four. Uh, but I, I, so still what you're badass, saying David. is people just assume that you just had brain surgery. <laughs> <laughs> I think if I can sell it with the strut, I think I can v- convince people I've been in bar fights. Gotcha. All right. We, I can hit you over the head with a bottle if you I want to. I don't know. I've got the scar. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, who else did you need to get to? Uh, no, that's Jesse? it. I got okay. it. Okay. Well, then, uh, as always, uh, you're on f- Gaying Out with Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you can find us at battleshippretension.com or in iTunes. You can email us at david at battleshippretension.com or tyler at battleshippretension.com. You can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash thepretension. And you can follow Tyler on Twitter at twitter.com slash morelessons, which is the official Twitter for his other podcast, More Than One Lesson, which you can find at morethanonelesson.com or in iTunes. And if... As always, you can find my other podcast, the weekly television review podcast, previously on at previouslyonshow.com or in iTunes. Where can people find you? Um, well, in, currently I'm in North Hollywood. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure where I'll be. Which um, you can find at twitter.com slash northhollywood.com slash at North Hollywood. Not, uh, we prefer NoHo no. now. We're trying to sound... Uh, oh, hip. the Arts District. Abs- the NoHo Arts District, absolutely. I, man, I remember when I first visited my friend uh, Dan, and he told me he lived in the NoHo or- Arts District, and I got there. <laughs> I was just like... I felt like those people who are... I live in Silver Lake, those people who are always driving around and like slowing down and looking, rolling down their window and saying... Can you point me towards Silver Lake? (laughs) And I'm like, unfortunately, this is it. (laughs) This is the coolest neighborhood in Los Angeles, I guess. And And I should say, I do live in the... Noho Arch District. Really? Yeah, not. I live. In, I live in the cool part. Of oh, there's an Aaron. There, there's an Aaron Brothers here. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh my God! Um, oh wow, that was funny. Uh, you can listen to. Um, you can listen to uh, my shows, The Sound of Young America and Jordan Jesse Go, by searching for them in iTunes or just searching for Jesse Thorne. Um, I'm also online at maximumfun.org where I blog and. Uh, those shows live as well as uh, Stop Podcasting Yourself, which is a really wonderful show that um, I recently brought into the fold of MaximumFun.org and, and a lot of other great podcasts and stuff. And, um, By the way, that's why, that, that's why you're here. This is, we're applying. To, to, uh, to you're, hoping, you're hoping to be, you're hoping Either to this be the or next host of Stop Podcasting Yourself? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, we want to be part of, part of your empire, either that or the Adam Carolla, the Ace Broadcasting Network. Just I think <laughs> you have to be married to him to be in that, right? <laughs> is that how, that's how it is, or just used to be on his show. <laughs> right. Um, we can make it work. I know it. Yeah, Spider and the Henchman. That's one of his? I think that's one of them. Um, I don't know. I think uh, once I learned what all of... Once I had memorized all of Adam Carolla's 12 opinions, <laughs> I kind of stopped listening to the show. Oh, Adam is a pretty brilliantly funny guy in my book. Um, but uh, uh, so you MaximumFun.org for all, for all of those great things and uh, PutThisOn.com uh, to learn more about Put This On. And again, uh, probably as you're listening to this, we just released episode three. So uh, take a look at it, share it mm-hmm. with your friends, etc. It's a very good show. I, I highly recommend it. I enjoyed it a, a great deal. It's sort of like when you tell people you don't have to like football to watch Friday Night Lights. Yeah. You, you don't have to already be into the subject matter to You don't watch have to like Friday song. Night Lights to watch It does help, admittedly. Yeah. You know, a lot of shaky handheld cameras and dramatic music. <laughs> uh, and I'm at Lonely Sandwich on Twitter, so you can you can find all my stuff branching off of that. 
Yeah. Oh, you know, uh, we're on Twitter as well. I put this on. Right. Um, and I try and make occasionally like Adam checks in once a month to hit a home run with a fucking amazing joke. <laughs> and in the meantime, I'm just bitchy about different things. <laughs> you need both, I think. You yeah, know. sure. Um, uh, so listen, uh, we got to get out of here. Yeah. Uh, September 11th. That would be oh, the wait, 9th no. anniversary. I got to say one more thing. Okay. Follow Spider-Man 223 on <laughs> right. Twitter. This is something I really believe strongly in. Uh, he's 13 years old, doing his own thing in his own house. Uh, Spy- Spider-Man 223. If you hate Chris Brown, if you hate my co-host Jordan Morris from his work on Fuel TV, you're going to love Twitter.com slash Spider-Man 223. i got to check okay. this out. Now, if I can go back to talking about September 11th. Yeah, sure. Yeah. September 11th of this year. Uh, we'll be celebrating the anniversary by ho- having the third... A podcast explosion. <laughs> <laughs> the third uh, Battleship Pretension Live. Mm-hmm. Uh, once again, we'll be at Meltdown Comics. It'll be stand-up comedy, uh, conversations, uh, other things. Yeah. Who, who, who can we safely announce at this point on the show? Okay, so we can safely announce three of the four. I'm waiting for that fourth. Okay, anyway. The fourth one's Osama Bin Laden. <laughs> no, the fourth person has been mentioned on this episode of he Battleship Pretension. So that's right. a little Easter egg for you. Carrie um, Grant. Yes. <laughs> um, so we've got, to, so our headliner is going to be uh, Paul Gilmartin. Hilarious who, uh, Paul Gilmartin. Very funny. He was Brilliant on the show Paul recently. Gilmartin. Good good guy. Uh, and then uh, a friend of the show, Matt Champagne. Two-time guest, Matt Two-time Champagne. guest, Matt Champagne. Very funny. Uh, and then uh, for a change of pl- uh, change of pace, uh, Stephen Tobolowski is going to be there. Oh, I'll tell you what. I, we did a show at Meltdown Comics. Mm-hmm. We had Stephen Tobolowski on it. Oh, just home run sandwich. Just yeah. Just what a guy. Uh, he was on this show about a month ago. Yeah. Uh, and um, that guy's a fucking delight. Yeah. A delight is exactly the word I was I was I was thinking. It, we were we were doing a marathon. We were in like hour six. I was completely incoherent, even most more so than I have been here tonight. And he just picked up the ball and ran with it, scored touchdown after touchdown, streaking from one end of the field to the other, <laughs> like some kind of uh, rack on tour Herschel Walker. <laughs> uh, I don't know what any of those words mean. Um, so there you go. It is, it's going to be it's going to be five bucks. It'll be eight p.m. September eleventh at Meltdown Comics at seventy five twenty two Sunset Boulevard. Five mm-hmm. bucks. Uh, all the beer you can drink for free, uh, absolutely, as long as you tip your bartender. Indeed. And these great. Uh, guests and one more who has yet to say yes. Yes, but but probably will say probably. yes. But we'll we'll say that for another I, day. I want to mention one other thing. Speaking of live events, if you live in the San Francisco Bay Area, I'm doing this talk called "Make Your Thing" um, at a theater called the Dark Room uh, mm-hmm. in September, and um, it's basically about you know I do all this different stuff, you know, podcasting and then basically independent media mogul or whatever, and it's about how all the people that I know. Uh, that do this kind of thing and people that I admire that do this kind of thing do it and make it into their careers and it's something that people always email me about so I sort of put together a talk about it and this is the first time I'm ever doing it publicly so that sounds um, really awesome I, 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 say, I wish I could be there yeah thank yeah. you I've never been to San Francisco it's, oh, it's the best city in the world I really enjoyed it when I went there um Best city in the world. Is it? Mm-hmm. I don't Be- know. Better than Chicago? I like Chicago quite oh, a bit when I live there. Yeah, Chicago's pretty great, but the weather's shit. That's the that's the. But here's the thing about Chicago. Chicago. The weather is... Th- there are like three days in like late April, early May in Chicago that are so amazingly gorgeous it's that it makes the rest of it worth it. Chicago's such a beautiful city. I've, I've almost... I've, the only bad thing I have to say about Chicago is the weather. Yeah. It's a wonderful oh, city. Man. It's and either horribly humid or... 
bitterly cold. I like the bitter cold, but that's me. All right. Anyway, so on that note, yes. Jesse, Adam, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, it, w- it was a good time. Uh, I'm, I'm glad we could For provide, all four of us, I have to assume, right, we Adam? We provide Adam with a... Oh, yeah, no. Why are you asking if I had a good time? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Either, I did. No, this is e- a lot either of in discussion or in playing with the microphone. <laughs> no, no, no. This is, I apologize. That was just, just unprofessional. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. No, I, I really did have a good time. Thank you for having us on the show. It was such a pleasure. Thank you guys so much for inviting us. Oh, no, no problem. No problem. And You're welcome uh, back anytime. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.